Should Christian singles be in a dating relationship with someone who isn't a Christian? What's wrong with dating someone who doesn't share your faith, provided they're a good person? Dr. David K. Bernard answers this important question by examining what the Bible says about dating and marriage. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. In Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard answers your questions about what the Bible teaches and how those teachings apply to everyday life. If you enjoy this podcast, we encourage you to check out Dr. David K. Bernard's books. Dr. Bernard has written more than 30 books on biblical theology and Christian living and leadership. Visit PentecostalPublishing.com and search David Bernard for a list of available titles. Enter promo code DKB10 at checkout to save 10% on your order. That's PentecostalPublishing.com, promo code DKB10 to save 10% at checkout. Valentine's Day is coming up later this week, so we thought it was a good time to ask you a question about Christians and relationships. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, Paul wrote, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. This verse has been interpreted to mean that single Christians should not date non-Christians. But I'd like to ask you today, what is the problem with dating someone outside the faith, especially if they're a good person? Is that really what Paul meant, that a Christian shouldn't date a good person if they're not a Christian? And my other question to that is, what if the person is a Christian, identifies as some sort of a Christian, but they're not apostolic Pentecostal? Certainly, you pointed to a key verse. I do believe it covers marriage. Perhaps it's not limited to marriage, but being yoked together. The image is of two oxen who are joined the same yoke, so they work together. They work in tandem And their strength is not merely doubled, but it's multiplied uh, as they both pull a load or they both um, uh, pull a plow or something like that. And so uh, while you might be able to think of other relationships, certainly marriage would be the strongest example of, of two human beings being yoked together. So definitely, I think this passage applies to marriage, that a Christian should not deliberately marry an unbeliever. Now, if they're already married, uh, the Bible does give instruction there. If someone's two unbelievers are married, one comes into the church. First uh, Corinthians chapter seven says, if the unbeliever is willing to maintain the marriage, don't uh, divorce, but maintain that marriage because you have the chance to influence your children and your unsaved spouse. First Peter three also talks about that, um, that you have a chance to influence your unsaved spouse. So, so God honors marriage so much, um, it, that he says, maintain it, even if there is an unbeliever in the marriage. So, uh, coming into church does not cancel your contracts and it doesn't cancel a lawful marriage. However, when you have a choice up front, if you think of the purpose for marriage, go back to the Genesis account, Genesis 2, 24, before there was sin. When God instituted marriage, he said, a man will leave his father and mother, 
be joined to, to his wife. The King James says cleave to his wife, and they'll become one flesh. When you study that one flesh, it speaks of physical, but also emotional and spiritual union. So that indicates that, that marriage is supposed to be a complementary relationship of two equal partners who work together. Uh, and we're to respect one another. We're to work together to help one another, together fulfill God's plan. So if one person is a believer and another is an unbeliever, then you're not going to be able to fulfill God's original plan. Uh, it, it will be flawed. And in fact, in the Old Testament, God had strict prohibitions against marrying uh, the, the, the Israelites, marrying people of other uh, nations. It wasn't based on race. It was based on they were idolaters and they were not worshiping the one true God. If they did convert to the worship of the one true God, they were incorporated into Israel. You couldn't marry them, such as Ruth, the, the Moabite, and Rahab, the Canaanite. So contrary to some people's teaching, it wasn't based on race or ethnicity. It was based on uh, their adherence to the worship of the one true God. So that's actually a principle throughout the Bible. Now, when we talk about dating, if we're using that to mean a, a you know serious interaction for the purpose of finding a spouse, then obviously, if it's um, a violation of Scripture to marry an unbeliever, it would be wrong to seriously pursue those kind of relationships. And even if the dating is seen to be somewhat casual, it's in the context of exploring the possibility of a romantic relationship. You don't always control your feelings. And so if you um, make choices to put yourself in a position where you're deliberately exploring the possibility of romantic feelings, uh, then you can't necessarily control exactly how that's going to happen. Uh, so you're jeopardizing yourself to where you will, there, there's a high likelihood that you will capitulate and proceed to marry contrary to God's plan. So to prevent that, we have choices to make. So just like, uh, let's say you don't want to get drunk. So should you go to the bar and uh, just order, a, you know, a, a, a Coke and then, uh, you know, keep participating in all the activities or, or maybe just take one sip of an alcoholic beverage? Obviously, you make a choice before you get there. So if you really are serious about keeping that commitment, you just don't go to those places and you don't get involved in those activities and then you will not violate God's command. So I look at um, marrying an unbeliever will be wrong. So dating an unbeliever is jeopardizing uh, God's plan. And it would likewise be contrary to God's purpose. God would not want you to date an unbeliever if dating has the possibility of the likelihood of resulting in a serious relationship. Now, when it comes to denominations and so on, obviously, we don't believe someone has to belong to the United Pentecostal Church to be saved or have a valid ministry, and therefore, we would not prohibit people dating from outside our church specifically. However, we want to look at the purpose of marriage. So we want compatibility in the important things of life, your goals, your values, your beliefs. And so if there's a fundamental 
incompatibility where you disagree on who God is, the nature of God, or you disagree on salvation, what it means to be saved, or you disagree on some basic choices of Christian life, the pursuit of holiness, which will in turn affect the choices you make for your home. It will affect the choices you make for your children. It will affect your choice of where you're going to go to church. So if we're dealing with fundamental beliefs like who Jesus is and and he's is he the savior of the world? Is his atonement necessary? The new birth experience, the pursuit of holiness. If while there may be, you know, two people may have some differences of theology, of course, but when it comes to your fundamental doctrines that are going to affect uh, how you raise your children and where you go to church, then I would say you should choose someone who shares your beliefs, who shares your values, and who shares your goals. And it would be better to be single in the will of God than to be married outside the will of God. Now, for people who've made wrong choices or have gotten themselves into situations, God does value marriage. If there's any way to preserve that marriage, you should. We do not believe you should break up a marriage because of incompatible beliefs. Uh, we believe you should strive, uh, even if you have to not compromise your salvation, but make compromises in your personal life to to salvage or preserve or strengthen that marriage. Because as I alluded to earlier, God can use those circumstances uh, to lead your unsaved spouse or to lead your children into a godly relationship. So if you have a choice up front, if you're a single adult, you should marry only in the church. And in fact, 1 Corinthians 7, towards the end, when it talks about uh, a spouse passing away, uh, it says, yes, you can remarry, but only in the Lord. So that's the general principle. If you're single, you should marry only in the Lord. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share apostolic life in the 21st century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.